Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. It is so exciting to see you and I just absolutely love that we are growing the youth, we are investing in them because they really are the future and it is amazing to see so many of them. They barely fit on this stage. It is a fantastic thing to see. Well, hello to our online family as well. I hope you guys are doing well. I am excited to bring today's message. Well, a lot has changed since the last time I was up here about a year and a half ago, and I don't know whether between a global pandemic and having our first baby, which is more challenging, but hey. Um, And now we're on the other side of lockdown, hopefully. We can now reflect on the time that we spent indoors. And I don't know about you, but pre-pandemic, life was so busy, I just longed for some extra time to read all those books I was desperate to read, maybe learn a new language, get a new hobby. Did we do any of that? No. If you're anything like me, there was a very deep indentation on your sofa where you watched TV. So much TV. You know, when I was researching for this uh, message, I just wanted to have a look at how Netflix did during the pandemic. And they reported a 35 million uh, subscriber growth in 2020. So it was good for some people. But so much TV that we watch, and Josh and I have very different tastes when it comes to watching TV, uh, when we're watching it alone. I am all about the crime drama, also love a bit of romance, Hello Virgin River, and Bridgerton fans. Whereas, yeah, whereas Josh, for some strange reason, loves watching people make fools of themselves. So we'll watch fail videos on YouTube. But when we come together, we love a good comedy, I love uh, action, we also love a good con movie, you know, Ocean's Eleven or the series Suits, though I'd like to point out that we did start watching it before Megan became a royal, we didn't just jump on that bandwagon. I love the confidence that they have to get away with those things. Prior to the pandemic and parenthood, Josh and I used to take holidays in Corfu. Now, the hotel that we stayed in had an all-inclusive restaurant, and all you needed to do uh, to get into the restaurant was turn up, give your hotel number, and she just wrote it on what seemed to be just a flimsy piece of paper. You could actually access the hotel via a public beach. And it always struck me that if you had the confidence and the knowledge of how the system worked, that you could easily just walk in off the beach, give a random number, and eat for free. But in reality, I would never get away with this. Aside from the sort of the moral um, implications of lying, uh, I would just not have the confidence to do this. But the people in the con films, like Mike Ross from Suits, they are faking it at being in the right place. But I wonder here, church, have you ever been in the right place and felt like a fake? I know I have. And I know from speaking to others, I am not alone in this. The common phrase, fake it till you make it. While I was researching for this message, I also came across imposter syndrome. Now, it's not yet fully recognized in mental health, but the researchers said that around 70% of people experience this imposter syndrome. And it's an exaggerated sense of self-doubt and fear that you will be discovered as a fraud. I don't know about you, but that sounds like something that I have had. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all have imposter syndrome, but I reckon there are some people in here today have either experienced it or you're feeling it right now. That sense of self-doubt, that sense of feeling like a fraud or an imposter. 
I know I certainly have, and it's prominent in my leadership journey. I've never strived to be a leader. It wasn't one of my ambitions. All I wanted to be growing up was a teacher. So when I became a teacher, I just strived to be the best teacher that I possibly could be. And the leaders in my uh, school obviously saw something within me and opened the doors to leadership. I think because I've never been striving, I've never been pushing on those doors of leadership, that I always feel this sense of, of doubt, of feeling like a fraud, that someone's going to be in that meeting and going, what's she doing here? She's not supposed to be here. But also in church, um, the youth amazing right now, but back in a former life, I used to run uh, youth with Nick, and there was only about two of them. But I would always feel after the events this sense of doubt. Joshua, remember, I would come home and I'd be crying because I was just convinced that people were talking about me and saying, what on earth is she doing leading? She's not cool enough. She is not good enough to be a leader. I've experienced it more recently on my return to work after maternity leave. I've been blessed enough in my uh, job. I'm a head of RE at a school in Liverpool that they've given me the opportunity to work with a group in Liverpool to coach leaders. Someone thinks that I'm a good enough leader that they want me to lead other leaders. It's an incredible opportunity, but I was in a course just before we broke up, and I was among assistant heads, heads teachers, even executive heads, and I was honestly convinced that someone would be like, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing here? It's an amazing uh, blessing, but I've just got this sense of doubt about myself, about my leadership capabilities. I think when thinking about today and what message to bring, this really spoke to my heart. And today I want to explore why do we feel like a fraud? Why do we sometimes have this self-doubt and feel like an imposter? Today I want us to overcome that and I want us to look at who we really are. So we've spent the last year looking and checking all of our symptoms. So I thought we'd do a little bit of a symptom check for imposter syndrome. So for some of us, if you've got this sense of doubt, you might be experiencing the Joey Tribbiani. So with the Joey Tribbiani symptom, you may be researching so that you know that you're talking about something, um, but then you have that exhibit, that wide-eyed look of confusion when the subject gets changed and you've no idea what's going on. Or maybe in here today, you have the symptom of the Bridget Jones. So with the Bridget Jones, you have mastered the fake laugh of trying to fit in. But when you are caught out as being the fraud, you quickly divert and ask for the toilet. But on a serious note, feeling like a fraud can express itself in perfectionism. You go out of your way, out of your way to try and be the perfect version of yourself, but detrimentally so. You try so hard to make sure every aspect of your life is perfect, that when you, uh, you fail, as you inevitably will, because you cannot live up to that standard, you severely beat yourself up. You are constantly filled with anxiety, worried that someone is going to figure you out as the fraud that you think you are. Maybe in here today, you're the people pleaser. You avoid saying no. You avoid any situation that would have conflict. But this constant saying of yes is not healthy. It doesn't build healthy relationships. It actually builds and reaffirms this belief that you are not good enough and that you are a fraud. Maybe you recognize yourself. Maybe you're the perfectionist. Outwardly at work, your boss thinks this is amazing. You're so organized. You have everything done at the right time. But inwardly, 
You've got this anxiety, this worry. You're constantly worried that someone, someone's going to figure out that you're a failure. So you have to just keep going and make it perfect. But there's no way to live your life. Or maybe you're the people pleaser. You've actually lost yourself. You've no idea what you want anymore because you are constantly caught in this cycle of pleasing other people, giving to their needs. Your husband, your wife, your family, your friends, your boss, there's just not enough hours in the day and you have burnt the candle at both ends. So we've explored what it looks like to be this fraud, to have this imposter syndrome, this sense of self-doubt, but why do we have it? Maybe you're unqualified. You've not, that de- you've not got that degree that everyone else has got. Maybe you've not got those years of experience at work, and that makes you feel like a fraud. Maybe it's your age. Someone has said that you are too young to do that, and you've started to believe them, and you think other people think it as well. Maybe it's some other limiting factor. You've never been in a relationship. You've been in too many. You've had doubt. You've been addicted. Whatever reason you've given yourself for why you have this sense of self-doubt, I'm willing to bet that it's wrong. The real reason why we have this sense of self-doubt, why we feel like a fraud, is ultimately because we have this deep-rooted sense of not feeling good enough. We don't feel that we are worthy to have that position, to have that relationship, or to have that freedom. Ultimately, you have forgotten who you are, But more importantly, you have forgotten whose you are. Church, here today, I want to have a look at who God says you are. You know, he is the creator of the universe. He created every single one of you. So when he is saying something about who you are, we should be listening. I've already said that this is quite a personal journey for me in terms of feeling like a fraud. And whenever I do get those imposter feelings, that sense of self-doubt, I always turn to Isaiah. Now, Isaiah held some of my favorite verses. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's a book of two halves. The first half is about God's judgment, but the second half is of God's hope and salvation. And our verse today comes from the part about hope. It's from Isaiah 43, and it will come on the screen, so let's read it together. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord, your God the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honoured and I love you. You know, this verse may have been written nearly 3,000 years ago, but this is a personal message from God to you. This is all about you and who God says you are. So firstly, God says that you are called. God called you by name. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be called? Well, the Hebrew word for call is kara. 
And in the Old Testament, God says it 37 times with several different meanings. Sometimes he means it to give a name, appoint, invite. But for us, the most powerful meaning of Kara is when God uses it to say that you are chosen. God has chosen you. You know, God is not just in the wings of your life shouting, oi, oi, to get your attention. It says in Isaiah 43 that he called you by name. He knows you and he has chosen you. You know, God knows everything about you. And I mean everything. He knows the good, he knows the bad, and he knows those tiny little secrets in the corner of your mind. And he has chosen you. He knows you and he's chosen you. Let that knowledge and that truth sink in. He has chosen you. When we apply this to our lives, how can we possibly think that we are not exactly where we are supposed to be? When the creator of the universe has chosen us, we surely must be in exactly the right place. We shouldn't be feeling like a fraud. We shouldn't be feeling like an imposter. When thoughts of doubt, when you start becoming that perfectionist, that people pleaser, remember that God has chosen you. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to people please. You are chosen by the creator of the universe. You know, right after it says that God has called your name, it also says that you are his. You belong to God. These two truths, be chosen and belong, are some of the most powerful things that you can ever know about yourself. But what does it mean to belong? Well, belonging is psychologically crucial to our happiness. It helps our mental, our physical health, even our longevity. To belong to something or someone gives us a sense of meaning and purpose in our life. But with all the hobby clubs, political parties, friends, family to belong to, why is it so significant that we belong to God? Because when you belong to God, you don't need to be or do anything. You don't need to have a qualification. You don't need to have a special skill or be a certain type of person or have a certain amount of money to belong. You belong simply because God chose you and created you. You don't need to be perfect or people please to belong. When we understand these truths in our lives, it can transform us. When we understand that we are chosen and that we belong, it can change our self-worth because you matter, we matter, because the creator of the universe has chosen us and we belong to him. Secondly, in Isaiah 43, God says that you are free. Others were given in your place. Now I highlighted the you in that verse, and when I spoke, and in my Bible, in Isaiah 43, every time it says you, I've highlighted it. And it's important, church, that you know that today. Isaiah 43 is talking personally to you. And God would give everything, even if you were the only person left on earth, he would still sacrifice everything just for you. Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could have freedom. But you know what? So many of us, we're not walking in that freedom. And Paul says a similar thing in Galatians. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
If the reason we feel like a fraud or an imposter is because we believe we're not good enough, then it suggests that we don't know or believe that we are free. We don't know that we are free. And so many of us feel like frauds because we're holding on to something that we've done or maybe something that we're still doing. And when you hold on to that sin, that feeling of not feeling good enough, you're not walking in freedom. But God has deemed you worthy to die for you. And he'd do it all again just for you. Who are we for to, to forget this? This is some powerful stuff here. And yet so many of us live like we're not free. Now, I'm not expecting that we can just, you can just hear my words and instantly change your mind after, well, for me, 35 years of potentially believing that I'm not good enough. So how do we get to this point where we believe that we're free? The answer is forgiveness. It says this in Colossians. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. This verse tells us that God has forgiven us for everything. Everything that you have done, even if you think that it is unforgivable, God has forgiven you. And I love how it says that he's actually put our charges and nailed them to the cross. You know, for so many of us, it's as if we've snuck back up to the cross. We've taken those charges off and we hold on to them. And we keep reading them, all the things that we've done wrong. And when we're reading them, we're reminding ourselves, we're caught in that loop of guilt and shame. God's not doing this. He's forgotten all about it. We're free. But for us, we keep holding on to it. So what you need to do, church, is you need to rip up those charges against you. You need to say, I am free until it becomes the truth of your life. So that you live as the real you. And church, the real you is worthy. Finally, God says that you are precious, you are honoured, and you are loved. You know, to be precious is to be valued, is to be irreplaceable, rare and exquisite, I love those words. To be honoured is to be treated with respect. How many of us in here actually believe that about yourself? Because it's who you are. You are rare and exquisite. But how many of us actually believe that about ourselves? God is telling you this is who you are. You know, most of the time, it's not other people that tear us down. It's ourselves. We're the ones that are stopping us from believing it. So it's up to us to make this the truth in our lives. Church, ask yourself, what would your life be like if you truly believed that you were honoured and precious, valued, rare, exquisite? What would your life be like? I'm also willing to bet in here that most of us know that God loves us. Even if you're not a Christian, most people in the world know that within Christianity, God loved his children and he gave Jesus to sacrifice himself for us. We know that God loves us, but do we believe it? Because when you believe it, it changes you. How do we go from this knowledge to this belief? You know, without God's love, 
We can't be chosen. We can't belong. We're not free. If you know it but don't believe it, you're living in insecurities and inadequacies. You start feeling like a fraud. You start feeling like you have to be perfect or you have to please those people. But you know what? With God's love, you are complete. In Ephesians, it says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, before I became a Christian, I was living in London. And by the world's standards, I had an amazing life. I had a great job, amazing friends. I was pretty much partying most nights, but I was not happy. I felt that there was something missing inside of me. Ultimately, it wasn't my career, it wasn't my husband, it wasn't my long-awaited daughter that completed me. It was God's love that completed me. Experiencing God's love is a way for us to truly believe it. And the only way to experience God's love is to have a relationship with Him. How do you get a relationship with Him? Well, you read about His goodness. You open that Bible and the Bible is a love story just filled with examples of how much He loves you. You you experience it by having a relationship in church. You come and you worship and we sing about God's goodness. You pray, you talk to God. By having a relationship, you can deeply experience His love. And you can start to believe that you are chosen, that you belong, that you are free, honoured and loved. You know, it's not just in my leadership journey that I have felt this sense of doubt, this sense of feeling like a fraud. For the past year, I have not felt like myself. You know, 18 months ago, I stood on this stage and spoke to you about waiting and we announced our pregnancy after years of infertility. But motherhood has been the hardest thing I have ever done. I was constantly filled with doubt. Physically, my pregnancy was amazing, but mentally I experienced it behind locked doors in lockdown. My birth story was complicated. It ended up with a hospital stay with no visitors during lockdown, including Josh. He wasn't allowed to come in. The first few months were so hard mentally and physically. I genuinely thought I was a failure. I had no idea why Libby was crying. I would usually just list, go through my list of possibilities, which I now know is completely normal. But back then, I just figured I was not cut out to be a mother. People would constantly say, you're such an amazing mother. And I would not believe them because I felt like a fraud, made worse by the fact that we had prayed for so hard and for so long for Libby. I felt so guilty for not enjoying it. I also felt like a failure of a wife because the last thing that I wanted to do after a whole day of looking after Libby was pay any attention to Josh. I had no idea how I was gonna be a teacher and go back to work. How could I be a teacher when it is so full on and be a mother at the same time? Guys, I forgot who I was. I forgot whose I was. I forgot that I was chosen. 
God chose me to be Libby's mum. God chose me to be Josh's wife. He chose me to be a teacher. He chose me because he knew that I could handle it. I forgot that I was free. I was not living in freedom. I was living in anxiety and doubt. And ultimately, I forgot that I was loved. It was so hard that I genuinely convinced myself, how could God love me when it is this hard? It is only through my relationship, my faith, which is my anchor in my life, that I finally started to remember who I was, whose I was. And I clung to this verse in Isaiah 43. And I hope that by sharing it with you guys today, that it can become your anchor. That when you get those feelings of doubt, you feel like a fraud or an imposter, you can go back to that verse and you can remember what God says about you. You can remember, know it, believe that you are chosen, that you are free and that you are loved. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.